0: This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only.
1: A little over a year ago, Wendy and I recorded episode 32, where we talked about the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why, and we covered teen suicide, depression, and other related topics. So this conversation is kind of like a continuation of that one, as we begin to unpack the recent cultural losses of figures like Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, two people who looked to many as if they knew how to do life. So we're joined by our friend Candice Dale McKenzie and Wendy's son, our TRS teen correspondent, Christopher. And yeah, we're talking about how to process celebrity suicides, but more importantly, we're talking about the lasting impact of all suicides and suicide attempts on loved ones. We encourage you to reach out if you or someone you love is showing signs of suicidal ideation, and we hope you'll get yourself support if you're struggling with the weight of grief, guilt, or the overwhelming responsibility of just being there for others whether you're young or old day or night 24 7 national suicide and crisis hotline is 800-273-TALK that's 800-273-8255 and uh, you can also text to the crisis suicide text line at 741-741 so this is the relationship show
0: Cause one thing is certain, I don't have my head on straight We're trying to get through each week on two or three hours of sleep I say to be patient that we're gonna make it I have to admit that I'm struggling They say take it slow But the world keeps spinning That I don't control And so there I go Trying to act normal so they won't know that I'm just trying
2: to
3: I love that I'm here with you guys again. I know. It's good to have you here. It is
4: incredible to see you. We never see our loving Candace because you're we're, we're, okay, where are you living? What's the update? Where where are you? I'm in Atlanta,
5: Georgia. And you are doing what? So I work for Center for Discovery, I work for an eating disorder facility. And I work in outreach. So, my job is to let people know what services we provide. And if we can't help you, then um, helping you to find another place for recovery, being in eating disorders or primary mental health or adult substance use disorder. Excellent. But I'm also an LMFT and I'm in private practice as well. And I still am a uh, LMFT here in
4: California. Woo! Woohoo! So, taking uh, clients. All over. Globally. Globally taking
5: Nationally, clients. Nationally. Yeah.
4: Yep.
3: So, uh, welcome back, podcast listeners. Thanks for tuning into The Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. We're two LA-based psychotherapists hoping to help you improve the quality of your relationships to just about everything and everyone. I'm Jenny J.V. Wilson, a.k.a. Miss Jenny, as always, with my fabulous co-host, Dr. Wendy. What's going on? Hey. 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 <laughs> What and today, uh, as you may have already figured out, our wonderful friend Candice McKenzie is in town. and Yay! And I also want to welcome um, my incredible
4: teen is joining us today. And um, welcome, Christopher.
0: Hi, how are you?
4: <laughs> I think a lot of people would probably see Christopher on my Instagram because I talk about, you know, like just um, my Instagram is about uh positive statements uh really motivating other people to stay positive and uh, christopher's a lot on my instagram for teenagers so i see a lot of teens and a lot of teens like to see um you know just healthy fun playful things and hopefully that inspires other people to um you know uh, be playful and kind of get out of the zone of negativity
3: so, Sookie's here with us too.
4: Yes, yeah. baby. <laughs> Hi, baby. Hi. <laughs> She's a bit quieter than little well, Astro. Because is not. Well, he has a little whooping cough,
3: but he'll aw, be okay. He'll aw. be back for the next show, for sure. But, uh, <laughs> Candace. Christopher, welcome. Yes. Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Oh my God, they're so fucking cute. Um, so from the get go, uh, we're going to be t- <laughs> we're going to be talking about some sensitive material, and we will be using explicit language as always. So uh, if you're not into that kind of thing, turn us off now. But Friday night we had dinner, um, and in the wake of losing Anthony Bourdain to suicide and so the three of us were having a conversation and decided to try to throw out some more thoughts i know wendy was writing down a lot of things because i think we're all um i don't want to say we're tired of having this conversation but i'm fucking tired of having this conversation but it's necessary to have this conversation
4: yep you know what so this week has been really intense. Not like this whole year has not been intense, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Christopher and I watch uh, Thirteen Reasons Why, and now we just finished the second episode on Thirteen Reasons Why, and we're not doing an episode on that, you know, today,
3: but because uh, Jenny and I did it before, mm-hmm. but you watched all of season two, yeah, right, uh-huh. yeah, and we watched, we did season one, and so. Mm. uh we encourage you guys to go back and listen to that episode. It's still up on iTunes and Podbean and mm-hmm. Google Play.
4: It's so important, you know? And and so when really horrific things happen in the news, like Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, um, and God, just uh, uh, so many others. I sent you all that article on just like throughout mm. history, just people who everybody idealized, put on a pedestal, thought... You know, that life was just flowing, and then they committed suicide, and, and so so tragic. But what I want to say is, you know, I know the big battle is, shh, don't talk about it. Yeah. But you know what, you guys? We have to talk about it. We have to mm-hmm. talk about it. And I think what, the,
5: what we were talking about at dinner is that it, it makes perfect sense why there's fear surrounding talking about it, because... Um, I think people think of, oh, you're putting a thought into someone's head, you are encouraging them to um, follow through with the act, um, you're creating that space that, hey, it's okay to feel this way. And, um, and, and indeed, that's our job, and that's why we signed on to become therapists, because guess what? It's okay to be scared. It's okay to want your life to end. It's okay to be in that space, the human experience. That's what we all come back to. And I think that we all agree that if you don't talk about it, then there's shame. And once shame starts to surround you, then it becomes things become secretive, right? And then you don't feel connected and you feel alone and scared. And so I think this is a really, really important conversation of how do we as clinicians, parents, friends, um, you know, even children children or or young adults, how do we sit with a friend and be supportive, but just allow them to have the space to talk about it. And I think I want to open up the conversation. My goodness, where's that line where you actually start to make that call? You call, right, uh, somebody to come in to help them have a hold or you know, and hey, call 1-800-SUICIDE-HOTLINE. All those things are great, but where's that line where it's not demising in the moment what they're feeling?
3: So the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. You can also text to 741741. I just want to put that out there since you just uh, Mm -hmm. mentioned that. And the answer, I think, is... When you're feeling it, it's Mm. when you are feeling blue, low, uh, when you're thinking about suicide, go ahead and call those numbers, text that 741-741, reach out to somebody, your therapist, a friend, family member. Uh, If you're an adult, it's probably best not to go to your child uh, as a a place of support. Mm. But um, I do think that there is a conversation to be had at certain points Mm. uh, with young people, especially if there's been an attempt Mm. uh, or if something like this is happening in the headlines.
4: Yeah, you know, so Christopher, this is where you can chime in if you don't mind. Just Mm. so, so... You know, I know a lot of parents were wondering, like, should I have my kid watch 13 Reasons Why? It's about teen suicide, mm-hmm. or should we not? Does it put it in your mind? What do you say to parents or teens? Do you feel like because we watched it, did it put it in your mind? Or, like, it, it, it did it open up a conversation? Like, where were you on that? And your friends, because I know this kind of... You know, it, it does suicide affects you all. I mean, you get letters once in a while saying, you know, there was a loss at another school, blah blah blah, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you think about thirteen reasons why just the topic and, and did it affect you dramatically or any anything?
0: Um my like opinion on it is that I wouldn't watch season two. It's just like it just it didn't really do it for me, and it's, I like, I don't know. The whole, st- like, because season one was based off the book, which they had something to base it on, but once they lost that, like, that support of the book, they don't know what to do with the series, so they try to shove in, like, as many, like, su- like kind of, like, supporty
4: things, like, to say, oh, don't do this, or mm-hmm. oh, don't do that, but, like... Did it make you think about suicide in a different way or did it make you scared at all? Just the I, the topic of it?
0: Um, I don't know. They're just like, oh, let's start a conversation or like that was the thing they kept pushing starting a conversation but
5: I'm, wondering to me, I'm for, just... Yeah, it feels like I'm wondering if it feels a little inauthentic. And yeah. It's a, so that's why I think we're always bringing up the conversation before is... I totally believe in safety first don't get me wrong absolutely but I think oh, I'm hearing from you and I think we can somewhat agree I'm hoping we can somewhat agree is that the inauthentic, it being inauthentic to talk about sitting in a space of life sucks this is really hard and just being okay to sit with that for a hot second instead of us trying to fix it does that make sense what I'm saying instead of like don't do it um, you know, call one in hundred suicide hotline. All those things are great, but I think there's a, a there's a piece that's missing to go. Oh, let's talk about where are at right now, and then we can go and do all those X Y Z things.
3: uh so what I what I'm hearing, and tell me if this is a piece of it, is um, that. The time to talk about it isn't necessarily when somebody's suicidal. It's more about having a conversation in general about it's okay to have bad days and bad feelings and depression and anxiety and to offer the perspective, an adult perspective to younger people and to other adults, you know, that this is normal. And I think that that gets lost a lot. Yeah. Uh, And I know we talked about this at dinner and I've said it before on the podcast about, you know, my jokey jokey thing about I want to start a website that's not Facebook, it's Assbook, where everybody just posts like all (laughs) the shitty things that happens to them because people get so caught up in the social media branding image and they start to compare their internal lives to other people's external lives that they see on social media and they think oh like oh christopher looks like he's having such a great time and he's got his shit together and everything's just rocking for him and i'm having a terrible time i'm having a bad hair day and my my man left me and my dog's sick and I'm getting evicted or whatever it is. Like and real shit of life. Yeah. Real,
4: the real gnarly yeah. backstory yeah. of, you know what? Life is not great all the time mm. and it's okay. And, you know, mm. especially with social media, it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You know? And,
5: and please, please, please don't take me wrong because I'm, I totally, oh, yes. 1-800-SUICIDE-HOTLINE, the nas- like this, or please get help, or of course, like, there's hope. I believe in all those. I'm not demising that at all. I think it's incredibly important to say those things, but I'm just saying I feel like there's a piece that's missing, and that's what I'm hearing from you. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes when you hear that, you're like, really, man, I just wanted just to say this. I- I- I'm just down and out. This really sucks. Am-, am I putting words in your mouth, or what do you feel about that?
0: I don't know. I still kind of want to talk about the show, because the show was like... The characters, they didn't feel like teen characters Mm -hmm. because 90% of their personality is like, oh my god, like, what do I do? I'm just gonna go cry for another 30 minutes in my room. Like, you could do so much like text your friends about it or do this or talk to the Mm -hmm. school counselor, which the school counselor sucked in the beginning, but (laughs) like, in the end, he got better. But, um...
3: (laughs) Are you talking about season two versus season, season, season one?
0: Like season one, season two, around just the like whole idea the whole, of it. Yeah. So
4: basically, yeah. what you're saying is that the nice thing is that there are things you can do if you are depressed as a teen mm-hmm. or an adult. Yeah. But you know, and I want to say, even the crappiest school counselors, because there are good ones and there are not great ones, but even the worst counselor is still someone to reach out to. Yeah. Um, did you ever? It, it, you know like what were the what were your friends saying at school about teen suicide in general did anybody talk about it did your school talk about it did nobody talk about it
0: mm, not more of the teen suicide part more of like the ending the season 2 cuz that they were just like they didn't really need that like that whole scene need like... Some people didn't some see people, it, so
4: let's like, not people, oh, kill oh,
0: it. yeah. See, that's why I don't say any... I, I'm, I'm, like, I don't want to spoil <laughs> it for people, so I'm trying to, like...
4: But school, how did school deal with, like, teenage suicides that happened at different schools? Like... Didn't letters go out, or they held assemblies, or...
0: Uh, not around, like, my school, they didn't, like... I don't... There's not a lot of teen suicides at my school, so we're just... Any discussion about it? They probably had some assemblies about it, but we just don't remember it because it's not really very memorable, and we want to skip over it as much as possible because we have work to do.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, very interesting. So, whether it's public school or private school, some schools handle... And we're talking about (laughs) teens. This isn't just all about teen suicide, Mm -hmm. but it is important because... This is where the discussion starts, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, this is... They're, they're developing brains and, you know, the, the risk for teen suicide is so high. And, and you know, some schools talk about it and other schools glaze over it yeah. and then just move forward. And in, in one school where there was a teen suicide, they uh, let the kids mourn for about a week and then... Went back to school, so nothing happened. Mm. And and the message was, we don't talk about it. Mm. And
3: we don't, we're not. Mm. So I understand you have to get back to life. But that message is a reflection, I think, of a larger issue. A and so, message, I mean, yeah. I, I, I do think it's important to talk about the young person and teen component. But I, I do think that we covered a lot of this in the other podcast. And I think that to kind of open it up a little bit more to how do we deal with um, the loss of people who are high profile and how that influences not just young people, but, but adults Mm -hmm. as well, because I think that it's not just a young person, uh, thing While it's the third leading cause of death for young people, mm-hmm. it's the 10th overall for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the 10th leading cause. And, and isn't it uh, Caucasian men? Uh, well, actually life? Hispanic, uh, Hispanic mm-hmm. men, I believe over 60 are the largest group, but you know, that's, uh, I'd have to look up all the statistics on that, but it, mm-hmm. it does have to do, I think with a lot of the socialization uh, and it may be increasing in white men. But um, but it's since Friday across the
4: nation, it says.
3: I, I believe mm. that. Uh, but um, since Friday, uh, there's been a 65% increase of calls into the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Which That's is, just since Anthony Bourdain and Wade Kate Spade. Which all to me is, one that is
5: a good thing because I hear for me I I mean it's awful that they're you know that they're feeling that way I feel bad about that but that makes me happy to know that people are reaching out people are reaching out and that is that's a glorious message so I I I think all of us can say when I found out that Anthony Bourdain passed I got so teary-eyed because I thought he was such a sweet soul and was so positive to the recovery community too because he was a recovered heroin addict to my knowledge and really um you know, was very open about that and open about the trials and tribulations of depression and and um, his demons, if you will. And so um, when anybody kind of walks that walk and then this happens, it's so incredibly sad. So I'm so thankful that we're having this conversation. And I kind of wanted to bounce it back off to Chris because I feel like, Chris, you can teach us so many things. And um, what I heard from you is you said you really just did not like the school counselor I'm fascinated to know why and how could you help us as therapists like what's a way that we could help somebody like your age or yourself if they were not feeling well they're thinking about suicide what's a what's an approach that we should take hmm if we it's were just... that school counselor on that show how would you tell us that that this would be more helpful if you did it this
4: way
0: well for the school counselor in the beginning of like season 1 like, before, like, when she was having all these issues, he kind of was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, like, brushed it off and, like, um, just, like, passed it. I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever, go back to class, be gone. And I was just like, well, that's not helpful. You are the worst counselor I've ever seen in my life. But in season two, it just, he gets, he realizes, he has a whole realization, of course they do. But, like, I would say... Care as much as you can. Mm. It's just like, don't just brush it off. Don't just say, like, when people are like, oh, I'm going to do it. Don't just say, okay, do it. And then just like, okay, go back to class. Be gone. Bye. I don't really, like, yeah. You're supposed to help them. Mm -hmm. Don't just give the, like, don't just push them away and be like, oh, Mm -hmm. sorry, I can't help you. I have to, like, do my filing, whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you felt,
4: you felt like... Mm -hmm. Some people could take it even more. What could the counselor have done, in your opinion, uh, that that was not done? Hmm. Reach out, call the parents. Do you know? Do more Be exploring more with the bullies. Maybe the experience too, because I'm kind well, of in all season. Of- in
0: season two, he does all that. Like
4: he makes up. He for makes
0: it. yeah. He makes up for it, but mm-hmm. you know, it's too late for that. Hmm. In season one,
4: oh, But do you <laughs> feel like? like And I know this isn't about, you know, 13 Reasons, but do you feel like had he done whatever you feel he should should have done or whatever, do you feel like that girl wouldn't have committed suicide anyway? Like sometimes as therapists, no matter what we do, we will not be able to save someone who is wanting to die. We won't. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not God. We're not, you know, we can do all the interventions we can, but if someone's going to hurt themselves, they're going to hurt themselves. So would you agree that like for season one or two, it doesn't matter. The counselor did the best that he could do at the time.
0: Um, depending on which time, cause like there's a big difference between season one and season two. Season one was like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't really believe you. Yeah, whatever. Go back to class. Mm-hmm. Bye. Be gone. But season two, he was like, oh, wait, I actually care. I have all these messages. and all these clues to figure this thing out. But I just didn't believe it. Then he has a realization like, oh, my God, like I should have done this and all that. Yeah. Like-
4: should have, could have, would have. Yeah. And as therapists, you know, we can only do so much in the room right? So when people share really heavy, intense feelings, we can only be where our clients are and do the best that we can. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right, whether it's, you know, this show or our journey is part one and part two. Listen, you know, we all reflect as therapists back at maybe a session or a family or, you know, someone that we worked with. And we're always saying, what else could we have done, right? you know? But, and maybe that was part of the show too, like what
5: Christopher was saying, like maybe that's the message they were trying to say is like, hey, you know, be very aware of what people say and behaviors and take it, su- suicide is a serious deal, right? So maybe that's, I don't know, I don't know the writers, and but I'm wondering if that's the, the journey and the arc of the storyline is like, between season one, not, right? Mm-hmm. It seemed like he wasn't really caring and worried about his notes or whatever ah. and having to get through the day, and then, oops, Oh my, oh my gosh! God, yeah. I really should have like, looked about, at a different lens and yeah. really like really addressed this and had more compassion and just taken more time with this with this girl. So mm-hmm.
4: there's so many layers to working with mm-hmm. someone who feels the heaviness and no way out. Yeah. So whether it's a teen, whether it's a a, a mother, whether mm-hmm. it's a you know a daughter, whether it's There's a health issue or a mental health issue, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, you know, an addiction. You know, again, we can only go with where our clients are, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and trying to find that balance is so important, you know. So this week, just as we heard this heavy news about Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade, it really triggered obviously as you can imagine so many of my clients to open up a discussion about suicide Mm -hmm. about feeling helpless and hopeless the running theme that came up this week for a lot of my clients is but he looked like he had a happy life he had everything he had a daughter he had a career he was privileged he Mm -hmm. he lived his dreams so how come that isn't enough
3: because those things uh, don't insulate somebody from mental mm-hmm. illness, from addiction, from mm-hmm. pain, from trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a recovering heroin addict. He talked about that and he talked about using, and if we're talking about Anthony Bourdain, he talked about using heroin as a way to manage his depression. Um, and, you know, just because somebody gets help or gets sober doesn't mean that they are, you know, then suddenly 100% cured. It is... It's something that we've had to talk to people about all the time, why you don't go off your medication just because you're feeling better. You stop your antidepressants or, you know, mm-hmm. for somebody who might be bipolar or schizophrenic and they feel like, oh, well, I don't want to take this. It's too big of a pain in the ass. I always think, like, well, isn't it more of a pain in the ass to have a manic outburst, right, or to be hospitalized or to be mm-hmm. suicidal? Um, and my clients, like... As if they were coached, I can, uh, they, they now like finish the sentence before I even have to say it. I'm always like, play that tape out, you know, play that tape out. You stop Mm -hmm. this medication and then, and then what? It doesn't, there, there aren't cures. These are, these are management tools. And I'm not all about medication. I think it's great. I think it's a great tool that we have and something that can always be improved and that we need more money in research and mental health coverage for people. And this is a terrible time with what's going on in this country with people's benefits being rolled back and insurance provisions being struck down, and I think a lot of people are afraid and nervous, and there actually has also been a rise in suicides in the past two years. Now, that to me does not seem all that strange um, with what's happening in this country, but also when we're talking about people in the mental health professions, you know, we're not immune to it either. Mm-hmm. So Kate Snow, who is a an NBC uh, anchor uh, or, like, correspondent, and she's been on... The today show doing little segments for a while um she was just doing one this morning about her father-in-law who committed suicide like eight years ago and it's still painful for them and he was a high school guidance counselor um but he'd retired and he was prone to depression during periods of big transitions and he just had one of those dark turns uh right around christmas time i guess like eight years ago mm-hmm. so that's somebody who that was his profession uh and it doesn't mean that we can't handle it you know that's Mm. our responsibility we can we know what to do most of us and stuff but it is also a message that you know we're all human and Mm. just you know whether we're looking at the character in the television show or whether we're looking at you know people we really know um i've lost somebody to suicide who was who was also um a licensed social worker um, you know, there's there's a lot of darkness in the world, and did anybody know?
4: Ha- did anybody have signs? Did mm. you? Oh yeah.
3: Well, she was having a psychotic break. Um, mm. but uh, but by the time she'd made the decision to commit suicide, nobody really knew, um, because there's also, and this is the other thing that we talked about on Friday <laughs> at dinner, is that, and, and you mentioned it already, Wendy, is that when somebody makes up their mind. Often there won't be any signs at that point. You know, it'll be very, very subtle.
4: <laughs> a period of elation, right? Yes, mm-hmm. so because sometimes they're excited. They've made that final decision, mm-hmm. and it looks like things are flowing. They're even making, you know, plans for the future. They have kind of a high, a manicky kind of. It's not even manic. It's just like mm-hmm. at peace with their decision, mm-hmm. and so they give the family members and friends kind of the idea. I'm good, and everything's yeah. fine, but deep down inside, they've made that decision that they're they're done. So some of the signs to look for in people are... Well, and that brings
5: me to the other thing I'm really passionate to talk about is just as with Anthony Bourdain, and uh, p- perhaps like Robin Williams too as well, is sometimes the signs are just not out there in front of you. And so I think that as clinicians, we just have to be, and as friends and as loved ones, is just just be open to hearing a conversation and because sometimes you just don't know. And I have a wonderful mentor, um, Dr. Ann Moore, and she presents a lot on suicidal clients and leaning into and the things to look for when you're assessing for suicide. And, And we all know too, sometimes it's not the clients who are deeply depressed, right? They're, they're not the typical sometimes clients that are actually going to um, commit the act. It's those that are the quiet types, right? That are not really talking about it, right? And everything seems okay. What she found, and I don't know if there's any research behind this or not, but what she found is sort of a common thread. People that are extremely creative, very intense, you know, they have very intense um, personalities, um, and when I say creative intense, kind of the way she described it is, it's kind of the all or nothing, right? And so it's, for them to sit in uh, distress or things are not working out is unbearable for them, right? Um, so I thought that was really interesting as a clinician to go, wow, that's something I, as a lens I need to be looking out for too as well. So, so I think
3: building on that, if you have a client who is like that or prone to depression or, you know, has a history of that, and they're telling you something that's happened that seems to be a large shame trigger. Because mm-hmm. shame is, is major. Taboo. It, and and yeah. it's such a major component of what mm-hmm. will trigger somebody and push them over the end is that shame feeling. Uh, and there is also the, those clients who are more impulsive than others. Um, But the creative intense type you're talking about to me uh, sounds also like people who are very empathetic and may absorb a lot of what goes on around them and take it very personally or carry it very deeply, feel very responsible for others. Um, And then there's this feeling for people who get sick or who are depressed that they're going to be a burden on people. So if you Mm -hmm. hear that, that's always a red flag Mm -hmm. as well. Red flag. They Mm. said that, uh, and you know, I don't know,
4: um, just the things that I've read about Kate Spade, that it was really hard for her to reach out, that there was this pressure. She should have known how to handle depression and anxiety. Mm. Um, You know, she she was really worried about what I call the audience. You know, I always say, fuck the audience. I don't Mm -hmm. care who, you know, it's not what it looks like to
3: anybody else. You have to take care of you and so but how does somebody do that how does some because you say that a lot and it's a really it's it's it sounds so simple but it is such a difficult thing to do and i have a client who's going through something similar and he feels very much like i can't talk to them they think i'm this person who has it all together and they you know and there's a lot of shame around reaching out to people that we would all identify as supports Mm -hmm. right well it's like one like finding well a therapist is one because then
5: it removes the you know the pressure to have to be xyz because that instead of their friends right and then and then that's also our work too is helping them um start to trust again find finding that support system outside of just our therapeutic relationship oh, and sure. ta- and it's and it's an exposure too because i mean it's easier said than done but to take that risk of a uh, faith that this person will is not going to judge them, right? right. So yeah. it's kind of like sitting with them asking them out of this all of this group support group for you, who is the one person that you feel would have the least judgment, right? That you feel could just be that lending ear for you. And even if you can't talk to them, do you feel comfortable texting them, you know, is there some way that you can start to slowly build that support system for yourself?
4: But I think Jenny to go back to your question, how do you teach people to say, fuck the audience. Yeah,
3: how, how, what, what do you tell clients that might help them?
4: So I'm so passionate about it because, you know, I was a person who all I did was worry about everybody and anybody, uh, you know, growing up. And it wasn't about finding myself and learning how to trust myself. So I looked to others to tell me if I was smart or if I was dumb or if I was fat or if I was pretty, you know, I, I, I I didn't have a sense of myself. And, um, so I had to find that. And so when I say fuck the audience, I'm looking at these two examples, Kate Spade, who had it looking all together, but she appeared to keep things in unless she dealt with it, you know, privately behind closed doors. But, you know kind of tried to keep it together so you can look as beautiful as you want but if you are just breaking inside and and heartbroken because you have no baseline on on your everything matters about what it looks like you know you you can't it's like ego strength right but then i look at the other example like chester Benefield, right from um lincoln park oh, that really i mean they all you know, we're heartbroken, but here is an artist. Linkin Park's music was so like, fuck you, fuck life, fuck the audience. I mean, he used it every interview. He, he was his own worst enemy. All he did was talk about, you know, you don't want to know what happens between these ears. And, and if I don't talk about it, other bad things will happen. So it, it was his therapy to talk about it. And, and so that's why it was very confusing because a lot of people said like, he didn't give a shit about the audience, you know? He didn't, he, he, he really tried not to. Um, but, you know, I don't know about Kate Spade, but Chester uh, said that he was a trauma baby. That was my word, right? Trauma baby. He was, uh, I think, molested and there was some mm-hmm. sexual abuse and physical abuse with mm-hmm. in his past. And so he just really, um, you know? listen i i my life was touched by suicide too as a therapist and as a friend i had um you know a client many many years ago who um was was a child and in a very horrific physical and sexual abuse family and um you know i kept saying to hold on and we did everything to work on helping him feel better in life and Um, In the end, uh, you know, he took his life and he was like uh, 10 or something. And it was really horrific and sad. And, you know, and and I give him such courage and bravery for trying so hard. And, you know, for me to heal in that area, I had to think, you know, I had to find a way for me to say, you know, I did everything I could and, and you know, is that God's will? Is that a spiritual thing? Is it, this is, you know, it's, I I see everybody's life is like a book and it's Mm. like, okay, so this is how his story ends. You know, I had a friend, a dear friend who was an adult man and, um, looked like he had it all. He was successful and he was, uh, you know, loving family and children and, um, you know, behind closed doors, went to every therapy group, uh, medication, doctors, state-of-the-art everything. And he, yeah, it turns out his history came from a mother who was suicidal and constantly attempted suicide in front of him. And so talk about trauma baby, plus the
3: genetics,
4: um,
3: you plus know. the role modeling because and we talked about that on Friday too what what the adults around young people are modeling mm-hmm. as coping mechanisms so if you are yes. sending your child that everything that happens to you you get in a, you know you in a fender bender and it's the end of the world or you know um your marriage or your relationship's breaking up and you're suicidal uh as an adult and you've got young people watching that that then that becomes an option to them then that and and i'm not saying that to blame people but it's also to be mindful of, of how much we affect yeah and yeah absolutely and
4: that also, but, but a lot also of depression times... is so narcissistic so mm-hmm. you don't really understand you know that it does impact that kids are watching everything you know i just we've got to talk about the kids and the survivors mm-hmm. of suicide. Again, mm-hmm. I know people don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and it's really hard to hear, but the kids, mm-hmm. Kate Spade, Chester Benefield, you know. Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain, We have babies. We have teens. i got to say, Chester Benefield's daughter, I don't know if you saw, um, she, let's talk about support system too, mm-hmm. You know, support system is so important. I mean, the community seemed like it really held that family and, you know, the effects of what can survivors do is Mm -hmm. is amazing to me. Either they are quiet and they go dark and just kind of are in shock and keep it that way. But, you know, an example of Chester Benefield, you know, um, you know, the 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 wife started an organization called 320 and i am i am the change Mm. and music cares Mm. and she turned all this heartbreak and sadness and and you know developed all these organizations for education the daughter uh started to sing she started to sing and really uh all the musicians came together Mm. and started to sing with her she sang a beautiful song um you know and mike uh, Shinoda, is that how you say his name? He's from Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. He was Chester's best friend. Mm-hmm. And he uh, today, I think, is coming out with a, a beautiful record um, called Post Traumatic Stress. And all the songs are about anger and sadness and, um, and ghosting mm-hmm. and feelings of <laughs> helplessness and hopelessness. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he, he constantly uploads videos about it's a hard day today or mm-hmm. what keeps him going. I mean, there are ways to also deal with it, you know? So there's so many levels to the survivors.
5: Yeah, I think that's the... Um... I, I agree. I think it's the hardest part, and I think that we you no know, one. It's it's almost like it's such an uncomfortable conversation to have. Like, how are you doing? And you know, how are you feeling? And I think it must be difficult for the kids too. Like, how do you sit with that? How do you sit with, you know, my? You know, I think there's anger in that. We think about the stages of grief, right? Like, there through you all say those levels. What they are? Oh, uh, go ahead no, go Yeah, ahead. yeah. There's anger. There's depression. There's um, denial. There's um, bargaining. bargaining. Um, and then there's the sense of acceptance, right, as well too. And I think that um, it, it, it I just know goes all that, that, that
4: ever accepts. Oh know? yeah, and it's I don't Okay, think, not to.
5: I, yeah, I think that's a thing too. I think I and bring it back to societal pressures. I think we live in a culture where you are expected just to get over something really quick and move on get and, I, life. and get back to life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, even we talk about this too, sort of like, and how the DSM sort of changed with grief and bereavement. And before it was like two weeks or something ridiculous or a month. And it's like, it, that's just ridiculous. Who gets over something like that, that quickly. And I think that it's okay to, to be okay to say, I may never truly a hundred percent get over this, but I do believe that, through time and through support, it can get easier.
3: And there can be a delay mm -hmm. to that grief, too, Mm -hmm. that somebody may be in shock. Mm -hmm. uh, And somebody might think, well, they're handling it great. And, oh, my God, they were back to work, you know, the next day or right after that or back to school, no problem. And then Mm. suddenly something happens. They are going on a bender. They are quitting their job. They're you know, leaving their marriage or something, you know, suddenly months later can come up or they're just suddenly like, I don't understand, everything's Mm -hmm. fine, but they're losing their shit. So grief is a very tricky thing. And I, especially when the stages of
5: grief, I think our society does not deal well with anger. I think it's just emotion we don't talk about. We don't allow people to kind of sit with that. And I think that that's a big issue. I think there's a lot of shame surrounding being angry for a, a loved one committing suicide. Yeah, I was going to say, especially around that. Mm-hmm. I feel guilty. I'm here, We hear this over and over again. I feel so guilty. I'm so angry that they left. You know, I'm so angry that they, they were selfish. selfish. They were so
3: selfish to think only
5: about themselves and didn't even think about how it would or affect weak. us. They'll,
3: they'll say, you know, that they were mm-hmm. so weak and mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. left. They're angry. Mm-hmm.
4: I think the thing that kills me is watching kids, teens, or even uh, loved partner you know try to put their life back together again and and so now this is part of their life story you know i think mm-hmm. about a dear friend that passed away and left teenagers and it was over a summer and so i think about how they go back to school in a you know in the fall mm-hmm. and the teacher says how was your summer and what did you do i mean now this is part of their life story yeah you know, and for the person who is struggling with suicidal ideation, with depression, with um, trauma, anxiety, addiction, they don't think they just they they're they're not thinking. Gee, I'm really gonna hurt somebody's feelings. I'm gonna fuck up their life. I'm gonna hurt them. And so let me just now, anger is a part of suicide, mm-hmm. where people can't feel better, and they don't know. They just they just don't see a way mm. out and they don't, it, you know, you could say suicide's not an option. You could say it as much as you want, but when you're in the zone and Jenny and I spoke about our own personal experiences when we were teens, mm. um, struggling with suicidal, mm. uh, either attempts or ideation, um, you know, you, you, you sometimes obviously cannot be talked out of it. And people can watch you 24-7. And again, whether you say it's God's will, God's plan, other people say God's going to send you to, you know, you're going to go to hell for what you did. Um, You know, you can just love the person as much as you can and give them all the resources. And at some point, you know, the survivors have to find their own way to figure out how to forgive, if that's possible, mm. and to move forward with their lives, but not ignoring this, but embracing it, yeah. if that sounds yeah. crazy. Yeah. How do you embrace that? Well, and I also think... Well, How I, would they embrace I think, someone who's committed suicide? I
5: think the, the embracing is sort of that, again, leaning into... It's very satire, right? It's very sort of like leaning into it, because the more you you go away from, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. And let me just move on from live. And that's an issue. And so I always go back to the human experience of like, okay, if you want to commit suicide, let's talk about this. Will I make a Of course I will. Do I believe in safety first? Absolutely. Am I also giving me a 1-800? Of course. Absolutely. 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 But I do you get what I'm saying. If you're not saying, okay, tell me, tell me what this looks like. Tell me how would you do this, What? how does this feel? Um, and then also talk about the children into embracing the forgiveness of a parent. Okay, tell me what that feels like. Um, If if they truly are having anger, like, let's talk about that. A lot of this um, is wrapped around their value systems around anger, too. I'm a very, like, ACT therapist and acceptance commitment therapist. Tell me about what your value system is surrounding. Mm -hmm. Your religious beliefs around suicide. Because when you start going toward all of that, uncovering all those layers, you can – we know this. You can start to see the clients. It starts to slowly – you can see the anxiety, the depression starts to dissipate. And it doesn't happen overnight. It just takes time. Sometimes they'll never fully embrace it, but I think it starts that process for them to forgive maybe even themselves yeah. for having those emotions forgive themselves for for um, even sometimes like forgiving themselves for... Uh, grieving for such a long period of time i hear that all the time like i just wait all i do is grieve 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 i can't get over this so i'm i'm very much i think we all are very similar like self-compassion and self-forgiveness of this too as well
3: but i think that part of uh, not but and i think that part of acceptance is uh is not is not the forgiveness part. Acceptance is separate from the forgiveness part. And I think that that's what people get tri- tripped mm-hmm. up on. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. So acceptance is separate from forgiveness. Yes. It's a different piece of it. And I think people equate them too much. Yeah. And if I accept it, then that must mean I agree with it. And to accept it, you don't have to agree with it. You can accept it because it's real. It really happened. Uh, it is something that cannot be undone. And you must accept the finality of that of of what happened the the fact of what happened but what you do with that moving forward is something else and and you can wait to forgive you can struggle with forgiveness you can struggle with acceptance too uh but but it's it's all it's all part of the grieving process it's great to be able to work through it with somebody it does go back to your value system and what kind of a person do you want to be but that can also really be so difficult for people. And that's why it's really helpful uh, as clinicians, but also as friends and loved ones to just allow people to have those contradictory feelings of, you know, loving and missing and being sad and feeling like it's their fault. And then also being angry and feeling like they don't deserve to feel the pain that they feel of loss. Uh, acceptance that's acceptance right. removing judgment and so i think that's what we talk about all the
5: time of uh, how much is this judgment is this coming from your judgment lens or is this coming from what you are just truly in this moment in this time in this space feeling right now
4: so or the audience judging oh yeah you know the survival well, what's the thing you
5: say remove the screw the audience or what do you say yeah i, yeah. I mean
4: i say fuck the audience yeah. if you can but that also takes a lot of working on yourself to it's self care, it's putting yourself first. But the judgment from the audience, you friends, family members, children, you know, as though someone should have been Jesus Christ on a cross, you know, mm-hmm. rescuing him or mm-hmm. her. Um, you know, this is this is life. Well, yeah, you have to real. go to
3: the grocery store, right? So if if the the person who is constantly on watch. O- of over yeah, like the person spotlight. who's depressed yeah. and and suicidal, like and like, what they are go, you doing? yeah, are and you doing everything you could, right? And but then that they will feel guilty and carry that with them if they do anything, if they have to go to work, if they have to go to the store, if they, you know, do anything. Other than manage somebody else's depression. You can't manage somebody else's depression. They will wait for you to leave if they really want to or go. Or they'll
4: do it at home when you're home. Or they'll do but, it in a hospital when you're in mm-hmm. a locked facility 24-7. You know, and, and you know, guilt is such a huge part of when the survivors are working on healing. I often hear, oh my God, if I get back to life, I'm betraying the person who died oh you know so if i feel sad depressed you know <sighs> fucked up about it traumatized then you know i how dare i get back to life so it's mm. the survivor's guilt mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. there's so many stages to this I've, I've had people who come in and there's been a suicide in their family and they don't talk about it for two years you know it's
3: very ordinary people
4: And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not, I just want to make sure everybody's safe and and I'm holding it Mm -hmm. so that
3: when they're ready. Mm -hmm. And you want to create the space that if one person wants to talk about it, that they can. I mean, I think that that becomes difficult too in closed systems and family systems or friends Mm -hmm. groups or, you know, coworkers where there are, a couple of people who may want to talk about what happened but everybody else is just very closed off to that idea and uh, thankfully around this and many other things these days there's a lot of discussion about just removing the stigma around talking about depression and anxiety and mental health and hopefully that will be something really positive like kind of like you said the increase in calls since Friday, you I love that you saw it half full, right? Like, yeah. well that means that more people are reaching out who yeah. may not have.
5: I mean of course I'm sad that people are not feeling well, but I'm of course. also like so happy but to it's hear not that necessarily
3: people... indicative that no. there's more people having those thoughts, but yeah. there's it's definitely indicative that there's more people reaching out, even yeah. if they are having those yeah. thoughts. Or so having that's a conversation. Important.
4: Really yeah. opening up the door to what I call three D therapy. I mean mm. on so many levels. Yeah. I had a young adult who um, didn't have a father growing up, and a lot of trauma about just the, the lack of uh, a male role model. Mm. And the whole time we were talking about Anthony Bordeaux, Bourdain and how how could he do it? I mean, just projecting all this dad stuff of... This is a man, he was 60, he should have know, he showed us that he looked like he got through a lot, like so much mm-hmm. on wanting him to be on that pedestal. And and then coming off like if he did it, anyone can do it. Yeah. And and the hope of, you know, then why? So mm. then it goes back to again, very existential right. talks that it's really important to have. What are we mm-hmm. doing here? The meaning of life. Mm-hmm. And I go back to, you know, it's not it's not my agenda. It's what I have learned in many years of therapy over twenty years, my own and and providing it, is meaning, purpose and passion. You know, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And and how do we make our life fulfilling Mm -hmm. and connecting and healing. And, you know, a lot of times I'll tell people to go volunteer Mm. and they'll say, wait a minute. I'm so sad. I'm devastated. Mm -hmm. You're asking me to go be there for another person. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Take the sadness and in the, in the worry and the anger and, Go be of service to someone else. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, this fits into what you guys were saying before, too, that the narcissistic lens needs to be turned uh, away from oneself, Mm -hmm. uh, because we're never going to smash the narcissistic lens completely, and it Mm -hmm. does serve a purpose at different times, but to take Mm -hmm. that focus off of ourselves and put it on something else, someone else... um, that said, there is there is kind of, um, there has to be a balance. We're not also saying that you go out and you tell people how to live their lives. You don't go out and you fix other people's problems. That's not what it is to be of service or to volunteer when you're depressed because obviously there is something a little bit um, messy when you yourself are kind of, a hot mess and can't keep your own shit together and you're out there like proselytizing to people on how to do things when you can't do them yourselves. So I'm very much uh I'm I'm very much a proponent of live by example and that also means sometimes saying, "Hey, look, I don't know all the answers," right? And 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 I'm I'm a hot mess myself, but you know what? I can sit with you. I can sit with the the people uh, in the ICU, I can sit with the, the babies in NICU, I can feed the homeless, because that's not telling them how to live their lives better. Um, you know, don't go giving away your money that you need to pay <laughs> yeah. your rent, right. you know, to yeah. a homeless person. Yeah. You know, you've got to pay your rent first but you can give a sandwich to a homeless person right there are other things to do
4: i think gratitude oh i'm so sorry oh no no no! i was just gonna piggyback on that jenny by saying uh just to clarify you know listen we're all at risk all the time so the fact that someone is doom and gloom crying isolating whatever it is or a survivor of suicide um you know everybody's at risk and so again the goal that I have learned is to create meaning, purpose, and passion. Mm-hmm. Um, but the volunteering, uh, especially at these times, is to help people not isolate, to yeah. help people yes. get out, yes. to help people be distracted, yeah. to, to not... And it doesn't have to be in hardcore volunteer. You know, volunteer.com has never been more busy. They've got amazing things. But I mean, heal the bay yeah. or uh, gardening. Animal, animal shelters are a big
5: thing too as well because we all, all know Equine Justice Suki, right? Um, I just love her because sometimes I just some, it's wonderful just to cuddle something and they're not talk, they don't have to talk or fix. just They just want to be loved. What and is that? I don't know him. what that
4: is. Being loved? No, just... no, 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 justice. No, I know what being loved uh, is. Uh, being <laughs> loved or just like holding... I think I know yes,
5: what being... No, uh, uh, talking about like. Uh, uh, talking about like. No, she, was g- talking about she was talking about. Volunteering. She's talking about my dog. Oh, Suki. I, I thought am was... yeah. sorry. She says
3: <laughs> Suki. She says Suki and, and not Suki. I thought. So... She said Suki like Suki and I thought. Like cookie. Is that a program oh, I don't know? Suki. How do you pronounce her name? It's like cookie with an S. Suki. Cookie. It's okay. It's accent. It's an okay. accent thing. Like, I thought that was like, a program. It's like my okay. husband for the first year of our relationship would, would refer <laughs> to me as jenny because of his accent, and, yeah. I, and I'd say it's Jenny. I, That's what I said, Jenny. And I'm like, no, cookie. Jenny, cool. Ginny, like Cookie. Cookie. I'm cookie. I'm trying
5: to cookie. Cookie. Uh, uh, uh. okay. Cookie. Yeah. Oh, Suki Suki. Suki Suki. So uh, Suki Suki so, uh-huh. so, yeah, so, is really it's, say, it's great because I she yeah, just is a cuddle like, bunny yeah. and so that's very meaningful. But I also Absolutely. think that I totally get, agree with. Um, connection, right? Removing isolation distracts, but I also think in some like little sprinkles of gratitude too, as well. And we talk about this how important gratitude is. I say that very carefully because again, I don't want to demise like just turn the frown upside down and ev- right. Yeah, Let's right, just be. Right, right, r- right. Don't don't we all hate that? Like just be so grateful for all that you just have. Well, when again, the I want to reiterate like that yeah. it,
3: that that just yeah. because the some of these answers seem very simple. Uh, doesn't mean that they're easy. right? So just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. Right. And we all know that. And, yeah. and there's also times in which something simple can be easier than others. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you're going through a transition, when you are mm. hormonally in a dipping spot, when you've mm. just lost somebody important to you or your job mm. or something like that, then we need to be more cognizant of ourselves and self-aware because other people around us might not know, mm-hmm. like, what we need. So, it again, it's really simple to say, just reach out and ask for it, but when we're we we all do this when we're not in crisis is really the time to prepare for when we will be in crisis mm-hmm. you don't prepare your earthquake kit in the middle of an earthquake right you know although you, a lot of people do uh, yeah. Right, yeah. well right <laughs> after right right after you suddenly there's out, like a rush. rush yeah yeah, yeah.
5: there's north- a rush on
3: it we've yeah, all been there's... to the north
5: uh, north ridge earthquake yeah. so oops that was
3: my deal yeah, it was like, a, like denial yeah
4: uh, who wants yeah. to think about the bad <laughs> stuff that happens in life you know mm-hmm.
3: but it's like the clients when they come in and they say They say, you know, I really don't have anything to talk about today. Everything's kind of going pretty smoothly. And I'm like, that's excellent. This is like the best time to do shit. Mm -hmm. This is the best time to get things done is the time when you're not totally, uh, what's the word, activated by by something major in your life or something that you're trying to overcome. Mm -hmm. So... Back to talking about it, right? The time to talk about it, while yes, it's happening in the news and go ahead and have those conversations, but it's not necessarily right after it happens. It's to constantly be having a conversation about what are the options and how do people handle these things Mm -hmm. and not even specifically about suicide, but just grief and depression and anxiety, perfectionism, the things that lead to that hopeless bottomless feeling and pain that people who are programmed... uh, Yeah,
4: life is painful,
3: and it's okay to talk
4: about it. Yeah. And, you know, I want to go back to the volunteering and destruction and all that stuff. I also want to say if survivors of suicide need to sit and cry in a dark room and rock back and forth and smoke cigarettes and you know f- fucking be sad and messy and and angry that's okay too you know as long as people are holding each other and and supporting each other you know so so we we can hold hands and make sure mm-hmm. that the other people don't slip yeah. uh, so dark mm-hmm. but but it's 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 okay to to be devastated and sad and cry and yes. um, wear you know black and not eat for a couple of days and not sleep for a couple days or sleep for a fucking month I mean there's no right way or wrong way to heal from suicide mm-hmm. and I think that there's so much pressure
3: like we said you know that cookie cutter okay we've grieved and back to work and managing your expectations not just about yourself and what you need when you're recovering from the loss of someone but to manage the expectations around other people because some of us can't just check out for a month or two from from work or from our families or whatever but there are ways to manage that if that is what you need to to lean on friends and family members and coworkers and to take an inventory on what is more important here, my mental health or my job. And how do I, how do I balance that? Can't, is there somebody at work that can, I can talk to and get this time off? And if not, what, what are my options? Mm-hmm. Right.
4: And especially therapists too, you know, like mm-hmm. how do we help others If we're in pain and we're crying you know when I lost the little boy many years ago I was really grateful because I worked at an agency and they gave me a couple months uh, paid to get therapy to heal to do self-care you know when I had a dear friend that passed abruptly unexpectedly um, from suicide I had to Really think if I was in a place where I could see my clients, um, I referred a lot of people out at the time. I w- I was able to balance where um, you know I I did as much as I could do, and when I came home, I cried a lot, and used my support system with my friends and therapy. You know, Christopher. Um, he grew up in catholic schools and went to church a lot and sang in the choir and you know and so that was also kind of dicey here's a teenager watching an adult cry about someone who i mean we couldn't you know we didn't we couldn't keep it from him because it affected our family mm-hmm. but i was also very real i didn't want him to fix my problems i didn't want him to rescue me but he watched comedy movies with me. He said prayers with me. Mm. Um, we're not religious, but we are mm. definitely spiritual. And he, he and I opened up this incredible talk about the meaning of life. Mm. And
3: uh, and where did you come down on that, yeah. Christopher? What's the meaning of life?
0: I don't know. Do what you want to do. <laughs> Make yourself happy. How? Aww. I don't know.
4: How do you make yourself happy? <laughs> How do I
0: make myself happy? Yeah. Well, I don't I don't really know. I just do what I want. That's what makes me happy, do what when I want. When you say do
5: what you want, meaning don't worry about what other people think about you?
0: Yeah. I just like this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
3: doing and what
4: I want. And you look
5: pretty awesome yeah.
3: by the way though. Yeah, Christopher doesn't super, care yeah. about
4: the audience. He
3: I, I, I think he was that. born
4: with a happy gene. I uh, so
3: there's what a about? there's a uh, a website I haven't looked at it yet, but it's um it's about talking about suicide mm. and depression, uh, called "Seize the Awkward," uh, and I guess they use humor. But um, one of the, I it just kind of popped into my head because of this, because talking about the meaning of life and Christopher talking about you know how he is and, and thinking like yeah to like lean into your uniqueness, lean mm-hmm. into the things that are special about you. Um, don't try to conform and it's hard for young people um because because especially you know brain development emotional development there's lots of different reasons why that belonging is so important and it's always important it's even important when we're older but once you get beyond high school and even beyond college it becomes Even although some people would argue with me about this, I think it becomes easier to find your people who will be supportive. Like If you are in a group of a social group of people or a community that you feel it is uh, difficult to be happy, Mm -hmm. uh, to express yourself, to be who you are, then you need to find another community. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, sounds really simple, may not be easy. But thankfully, we live in a world now with the internet that things are more possible. There's more possibilities, right? That Mm -hmm. you you have to feel that there are options. I think that a lot of what happens with depression and suicide is somebody feeling that there is a lack of options. Mm. Uh, And there's actually one other thing I wanted to say back to the fuck the audience piece is that while generally I agree with that in terms of, again, don't. We, we can't live our lives for other people, right? At the end of your life, you don't want to look back and say, I lived the life somebody else wanted for me and not the one I wanted for myself. But at the same time, if the audience is out there and giving you love and support and encouragement, don't disregard that too. Mm-hmm. Don't, dis- don't dismiss the good stuff yeah. uh, because you feel like you've got to balance out the fact that you won't take in the bad stuff either, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Neither should be the re your reason for doing something, but the guy from Lincoln Park. If there were so many people who his art affected, and and Anthony Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade and so many people who would have gladly been like oh my god you know we're here we you know we love you we love what you do we we believe in you and although it may feel inauthentic or it may feel insincere because well they don't really know me if they really knew me they wouldn't feel that way i mean that we need to keep a piece of ourselves open to the possibility that we are lovable even by people who don't know us right and that that to to not fuck the good stuff too that's coming at us from the audience because no absolutely cause the yeah. audience can give us a lot of love yeah
5: too. and no. that's the and hopefully that's a little sprinkle of gratitude too as well right in the sense of like when all else fails like how do we at the end of a very 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 challenging day find a sprinkle of gratitude to, to, to give us hope because i do believe in faith and hope absolutely but i think that's important too like I love that you said that, like, don't dismiss some of the good stuff that the audience is giving you to as
4: well. So take it in and it doesn't have to be personal. It can be whoever fills your soul and whatever fills your soul. And sometimes people don't know what that is. And so you just take baby steps and you just, what I call, follow the breadcrumbs. You just Mm -hmm. see what is interesting. And if it's, you know, gee, that, that. Plate of pasta fills my soul, mm. then that's something special. Cooking, oh, I'm kind of interested in it, fills my soul, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, animals mm-hmm. fills your soul, great, mm-hmm. okay. Gardening, mm-hmm. you know, um, it doesn't
5: have like you like what I'm hearing, it doesn't have to be just a family member or a friend, it could be other spirituality it can be um other aspects a mentor we talk about this all the time like who who do you like if it's not your support and your support wheelbarrow right now who really are you do you align with do you really like love listening to them like there's something about that that really makes you jazzed and so that's that in itself is support system too as well
4: i want to also say that just because the tragedy in some of these incredible people through history committed suicide, you know, that's not who they were. Mm -hmm. So they can still be incredible, empowering role models and what they stood for in this life and their energy while their physical beings were here. um, You know, Anthony Bourdain can still be a role model, not the suicide part. Mm -hmm. Kate Spade, an incredibly strong person, Chester Benefield and the music that just poured out of him. Um, And the lives that all these people touched, you know, we want to hold all the good and and hold that in our heart because that incredible energy still lasts to this day, you know. So we don't want to glamorize the suicides, but we definitely want to extract all the wonderful things they stood for and so that we can carry on.
3: And left behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Ernest Hemingway blew his brains out, but that does not diminish his writing it doesn't make him Mm -hmm. one of the greatest american authors of all time Mm. um or the power of what he wrote doesn't mean that we shouldn't teach it to you know kids in in school um all of those things you're absolutely right and um we have to come to a place where we can celebrate all of somebody and not just you know remember the darkness of their final hours. Same with Robin Williams, you know? Um, oh my God. It's like
4: any movie that you pull or any up, uh, you know, it's just, it fills our soul. You can laugh to this day. Like the fucking guy was hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you can tell when he was authentic, mm-hmm. but I remember one interview at the end of his life and he shared with someone as he was filming something, this isn't fun for me anymore. Like I, I did it for me when it was authentic and now it just felt like, you know, he, he, he was a used vessel.
3: It was for other people. Yeah. When somebody somebody feels like they've become a product. Exactly. Well, that's, that's the flip side too of the Facebook brand mentality is that, uh, we all need to be conscientious of how we are doing that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, where If you are building a persona of yourself that is going to be oppressive and you cannot sustain, you know, you better check that, right? Because it can turn around and bite you in the ass. And again, it's sort of like my client. You can start to feel this pressure that nobody else has put on you. You feel like other people. They need me to be this. They want me to be this. Well, not necessarily. You don't know. If you're something else, they may be grateful for that or if they're not there might be somebody else who is
4: and that's a fragile time to be at risk to go what is this feeling right now there's a shift in my energy or there's a shift in i loved it and it was exciting and inspirational and and i don't have that anymore okay that's okay that you don't have that then let's restructure Mm -hmm. let's let's find something else that brings meaning purpose or passion because i think there's a lot of shame in shouldn't i feel that way
3: well and I think men have a, a, oh, yeah. that struggle of I can't leave the situation I'm in cuz I'm a provider mm-hmm. uh and for most men, that's their identity. And it's interesting, mm-hmm. the Hispanic men,
4: you said. So what is that? The machismo, I should know how to do
3: life? Or mm-hmm.
5: That we don't and talk We don't feelings? ask
3: for help. Yeah. We don't talk about feelings. We're strong for our families. Yeah. Right. We're strong for other people. And I think
5: also in the Latin culture, too, like the the males are the ones that everyone goes to, right? And mm-hmm. so for them, it's difficult for them to turn around and say, hey, I need help. Instead of they're the ones who are the... They're the, you know, they're the column. They're just like, hey, I'm the person that's going to protect and provide and help
3: everybody. So Right, and and this touches upon something we talked about as well, about the vulnerability piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously, Brene Brown is somebody who's mentioned a lot. She's awesome on vulnerability and shame, wonderful books and TED Talks people should check out. Daring Way is a great, great, great it's, book. Yeah, oh, amazing. Because so if you yeah. don't risk mm-hmm. being vulnerable, you're never going to gain uh, things that you want and growth. Like I had a client the other day who was just like, why do I have to feel pain to to grow? Like the, the pain of change, right? And And at that moment, she was only focusing on the pain of the change and not... <sighs> the possibility and the the glee that can come with change. But, you know, why Why am I even bothering? Why should I even do this thing? I was like, because that's how you grow. Otherwise, like, you don't have to. You can stay the same forever. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. But if you want to grow, you have to step outside of your norm. And it doesn't have to be huge. It can be small and incremental. It can be a big thing. But... All of these things can incite a lot of fear and insecurity. Mm-hmm. And I think for men, they, they do feel a lot of responsibility for that and have to go back to what do you value? What's important to you? What do you want your life to be about? What's the meaning? Mm-hmm. Because there there is no one meaning, my feeling is. Uh, there's not one you know, one ordained meaning. What my life is going to mean is going to be different from what Wendy's, there may be some overlap you know, and that's going to be different from what Candace's is and Christopher's is and that's the beauty of it is because we're all providing a piece of a larger puzzle a piece of a larger story uh, and influencing one another and, and you and never know.
4: know. There's,
3: there's just no answer. Yeah, and no, it's, it's what answer you provide for yourself. Right. What do you want the meaning to be? Is you know, really I had a
4: teenager who came to me just for one session, and she said, I have a question. And I said, yes. And she said, what is the meaning of life? And I looked at her, and I said, um, we're going to have to have another session. There's <laughs> a little bit of pressure. I said, oh, so did you want it from me, Dr. Wendy Schwartz O'Connor? Is that what you, you wanted? What I want? Like, you wanted me personally? And she said, no, I just wanted a therapist to tell me what they think the meaning is. And I was like, oh, yeah, honey, you're definitely gonna have to come back for another session.
0: We want you to tell us the answer.
2: The answer to what?
0: The answer to life, the universe,
1: everything. we really like an answer, something simple.
2: I have to think about that. Return to this place in exactly seven and a half million years.
4: And she didn't. Yeah.
3: No, she did. Oh, I thought she you said, did. "Oh, she didn't come back." She didn't that's want correct.
4: to, but she, you know, but but it was awesome because it wasn't. It's it's not about the answer. It's about the journey, right? Yeah. It's not about my answer. It's 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 about her questioning life, and that that's beautiful. That she does. And it's going to be her life journey to figure out what brings her happiness
3: or the meaning or purpose or passion. Well, and and to a degree, even though I'm saying, you know, what do you want the meaning of your life to be? um, That kind of goes back to the values piece of it. But it really isn't up to us to decide what the meaning is going to be. It's It's, as you're saying, it's just the journey and the meaning will be revealed in the end and after we're gone uh there was a line i think it is in i think it was in westworld a couple weeks ago about we only live on as long as the last person who remembers us Mm. right so like what is that going to be that we leave behind with people um and in cases like kate spade and anthony bourdain and and other famous notable people Yes, the, the the end of their story is bittersweet and uh, but they will it's not their whole story. And it's important that as survivors, they're not we're not survivors uh, of their suicides in terms of, you know, proximity, like they're close to us. But I think the thing with celebrities and high-profile people is that they connect us all. It's a shared language. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Wendy's lost people and I can know her pain because I've lost people, but... We may not know each other's people, but we both know Anthony Bourdain and we both know Mm -hmm. Kate Spade as, Mm -hmm. you know, these symbols of certain things. They're shared, Mm -hmm. they're shared touch points for Mm -hmm. people. And we Mm -hmm. thought they knew how to do life. Yeah. And we're fucking pissed
4: that they yanked themselves as though, you know, like, God, we just put so much pressure for for these role models to, Mm -hmm. you better not disappoint us and you better know how to Mm -hmm. live life. And how dare you, I mean, we're all survivors of like, honestly, if it can happen to them, it can happen to anyone. But again, it can happen to anyone, but we can focus on the doom and gloom and the hurt and the sadness. And yes, it is really tragic and sad, but I don't want to forget all the incredible gifts that these people gave us. And and that's what we need to focus on the celebration of life, you know. Um, So quickly, I just want to just jump into giving our listeners uh, a couple red flags. Red flags. And um, anything that comes to your mind about what would red flags look like. Um, And Christopher, I would like you to chime in too. Mm -hmm. What does that look like if someone looks like they're not feeling good in life? Hmm. Anything at all? Red
0: flags. Red flags. I say like red, like red flags. Red
4: flags. What would make you concerned about someone who looks like they're depressed, suicidal,
0: avoiding conversation? Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? Um, like I don't know. Like my like like what I would think would be like. Would be probably the most important in my opinion because they're just like not wanting to connect anymore. They kind of feel like mm-hmm. over it, they're done, they don't want to like speak up or do anything. So I don't know, I leave you with that one. Saying shutting down yeah, and shutting isolating, down, yeah, isolation, you know. So they don't look that. like they have joy. Yeah, not mm-hmm. like they don't look like they have joy. People can find joy, but that like, like just being by themselves, they're okay with that, but just like avoiding and not wanting to talk or like not wanting to do things or like
4: like you have a friend who is chronically uh struggles with mental illness and you have had that person chronically say suicidal statements and things like that so how do you handle that
0: well I just you know keep talking to them and just keep them like there and say, oh, I'm always here to talk to you no matter what. Because uh, the last person you want to have is, like, your last, like, person who wants to talk to you just ditch on you it would suck. So
4: I also noticed that you talk about positive things. You kind of highlight things that, you know, are, are what about this and what about that? Mm-hmm. You kind of seem to give that person some ideas on... Other things they can think about,
0: because no one wants to hear all that negative shit. Like let's like let's be honest here. No, no one, no one just like they want to hear. Like, <laughs> are, you how person, it is? are you talking about the person? Are you talking about
3: the person who's upset, or are you talking about the person who's like, listening? If you're talking about like, you like know you're who I'm th- talking like, about,
4: right? Yeah. Okay, and so that person constantly is like, life would be better off, and blah blah blah. How do you not? How, do you take it seriously? Because yeah,
0: like you highlight the good parts. And you tell them what else you could be living for instead of just thinking about all, like, that negative stuff. How like, no do you one...
4: know that person's not going to commit suicide?
0: It's like, you just, you just got out, um, hmm. How would you know that they're not going to commit suicide? Yeah. I don't
4: know if you can like, know. Like, you can know. Like, yeah. I but... know, but so if, so that person does a lot of that kind of talk with you. So what 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 would you say to teens if they're struggling with suicidal thoughts?
0: I would say keeping it to yourself is no bueno. Not
4: good. Not <laughs> oh, habla español uh,
0: <laughs>
4: in such a deep talk, and we're busting it. What about in yeah. ja- Japanese? How do you say not good?
0: Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, iku go. not good, not good.
4: Okay, so talk to someone. Open it talk up. To, yeah. If you noticed a very depressed person, what would you do as mm-hmm. a friend?
0: As a very, like, as a, like, would they be my friend? Yeah. <laughs> as, like, my friend, I would, you know, still talk to them. What if they say, like, I don't
4: want to tell anybody, don't tell anybody I'm suicidal?
0: Well, uh, then, you know, I wouldn't be like, I would go against their word, of course, and be like, hey, I'm going to tell someone. Good. Because, hey, um you don't sound good right now, and that's not good. She so would and, go get
4: help? Yeah. Yep. Of um, course.
0: Because, like, logic tells me to go tell someone, and not, like, 13 Reasons Why, <laughs> not, like, tell anybody, because that's not good. Not good. I would tell someone.
5: So I, I think I heard, like, I heard a little bit of, like, sprinkles of gratitude is kind of what I heard Mm -hmm. a little bit of that and listening to them meeting where they're meeting them where they're at yeah and not feeding them bs just Mm -hmm. you know not give them the give them the real deal yeah yeah and being supportive and then also just I think Jenny had said it before and you had mentioned it too like trusting your gut a little bit like if something feels wrong then listening to your your gut on that like as a friend like something feels wrong right like I feel like I feel like they need a little bit more help right now than I can offer them.
4: I just want to say something else about, you know, whether it's a teenager or an adult with suicidal behavior or ideations. Listen, if if someone is feeling a certain way and they say it, some families or partners or whatever, even therapists might say, oh, God, they're you know what? They're so dramatic. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, forget it. They always talk like that. I take it all seriously. So, whether it's drama or, you know, nobody can ever guess, you know, I never want to risk anybody's life. If someone's going to say suicide or mm. I'm thinking about it or I'm planning something or I'm fantasized about it, I believe you. And, you know, I will go and call 911 <sighs> or take them to an emergency room. You know, I will do everything and anything. To take it seriously.
3: Yeah. And, and also when you take it seriously, like this happens with my clients, even when they say like the littlest thing and I'm like, okay, and I take it very seriously and then they get, they get conditioned to catch themselves and say, wait a minute, no. And they say, I'm, but don't worry, I'm really not going to mm-hmm. do it. They cut themselves, they cut me off before I can go into the whole you know assessment piece of it and they reassure me because they catch themselves too when you do Mm -hmm. uh, when you do constantly take them seriously and Mm -hmm. and show them that you are prepared to check them into the hospital that you are prepared to call their family and loved ones that you are Mm -hmm. prepared to You know check in with their safety plan
4: yeah we're listening
3: yeah and and so we're saying we're not just going to write it off as being dramatic or crying wolf we're going to take this very seriously and at a certain point then they will start to catch themselves uh and at least you know reassure people but if you're not getting that reassurance from somebody who's always making those kinds of statements then take them seriously get them to a therapist if you can take them to a hospital call nine one one. right if yeah. that's needed at times too as well so and if yeah. it is
4: attention seeking they're going to mm-hmm. go in the hospital yeah watch 20
3: be watched 24 hours you mm-hmm. know seven days whatever and then you get help because support the people who support the people yeah. Need support. Yeah. Yeah. And either you want to go back in the
4: hospital because that's what you need Mm -hmm. or it's going to scare the shit out of you and you're going to find other ways to get motivated to handle it in a different way.
3: Yeah. So some other red flags are if you see uh, an increase in substance use in people, Mm -hmm. uh, if you... uh,
4: Sleeplessness, I think,
3: too. and We hear a lot about insomnia. Yeah, that can intensify it. Agitation, insomnia. Major mood swings, mood Mm -hmm. shifts, uh, people talking about unbearable pain or saying things like they've got no... No reason to live helpless, giving things helpless. away yeah giving things a lot you know like precious items away uh, saying goodbye yeah mm-hmm. in that way and also like it was mentioned a sudden if somebody who's been depressed for a really long time suddenly has like this huge right. euphoric mm-hmm. uh, state then uh, you want to you want to question that and check in with them and other people but yes to let people know that you're worried and you're concerned and you care uh, Their grooming can look different yeah, or it doesn't have to yeah. look
4: different. It yeah. can look even better. I mean, it's tricky. Yeah. You know, yeah. changes in the eating and sleeping patterns. Like Loss said, of speaking. interest.
5: Loss of weight. Anedonia. Mm-hmm.
4: I could care less. I just don't mm-hmm. care about anything. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So let's uh, bring this to a close. I thank you, ladies. And Christopher, thank you also because... This is an ongoing subject, unfortunately, we need to talk about, and I don't think this is going to be the last time we're talking about Mm. this, and I love the safety and the trust and vulnerability and the honesty, and um, I'm grateful for everybody who listens because Mm. it is with passion what we do, and we have been into some really dark places, so we also have incredible things to offer as far as help, support. Um, there's a wonderful organization called Our House, and, um, you know, that's in Santa Monica. It's a grief and loss program, and,
3: uh, you know, the Suicide Prevention Hotline. 800-273-TALK or 8255, and you can also text to 741-741. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255, 247 7 you know whether you're young old any age and there are may if you've ever called in before i have to say
5: those counselors are amazing they don't have judgment they're lovely they just will sit and talk to you so i think there's a lot of fear if i make a call does that mean that immediately i'm going to you know someone's anonymous it's anonymous you know you're not going to be taken off someplace to some hospital whatever and it's just having that place and space for someone just to talk to and they can give you some options and just help talk you through it so There's definitely help out there there is help you out have there. to
1: speak up though yeah
3: and we will put all this information in the notes so you do not have to pull the car over and try to write this down
5: and chris thank you we yeah. appreciate christopher, christopher thank, thank you. you i think it's important for us to have somebody who is a young adult and a teenager in this world in today's times to really be open and honest with us. And thank you for helping us as, as adults and as clinicians just to do a better job and to listen and uh, be more aware.
0: You're welcome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and for your fabulous style. Oh,
1: thank you. Yes.
3: Uh, so um, where can people find you, Candice? Sure. You
5: can find me on uh, candisdalemackenzie.com or How do we spell McKenzie? M C K E N Z I E. Mean, okay. I may not say oh. Suki the right way, but I think I can spell my last Sub- name. You can say Sub- it,
3: however. She knows it's. She knows you love her.
4: Christopher, where can people find you? Do you
3: want to be found?
0: Um, on my Instagram, you can find me at Astrological Panda. It's Astro, and uh, Logical, and then you put Panda at the end of it. All one, together. What about your Twitter? My Twitter is astrological, but instead of the S, I
3: took out the S and made it a five instead. <laughs> All right. Who are you on so you can find me, Jenny with an I, at, on Twitter so at, at Jenny JV Wilson. On Instagram, I'm the preppy rebel. Email, I'm Jennifer JV Wilson at gmail.com. Uh, on the web, jennyjvwilson.com. We're both on Facebook, Wendy and I. Uh, yes. And you can find Wendy on her YouTube channel. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter.
4: I am DR Wendy. My uh, Instagram is I am DR Wendy.
3: And your Twitter f- is Ask Dr. Wendy. Oh, is
4: it? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Shall I ask? Who knows what my Twitter handle is? Um, thank you all. You know, I just want to say if we can touch you know, one person to speak up, reach out and get help or any survivors. Um, We're always here if, you know, people don't even know where to start. We're definitely not a 24-hour crisis line, but if you're not quite sure where to start, please contact us. Especially Um, if you're
3: in Southern California. Yep. We have lots of resources out here.
4: 310-712-1230. 310-712-1230. And thank you all for listening because our hearts, our passion, this is what we do for for life. And um, like I said, if we can help any families heal and, uh, you know, stop, uh, you know, the the growing rates of suicide. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're here and we know how to
3: help. Send us questions, comments or topics subs- or topic suggestions. Please subscribe on iTunes, Podbean or Google Play and toss us some stars. Leave us a review. Be kind. Okay. Uh, and, until, and more topics. Tell us more yeah. topics you guys want
1: to hear. And I'm so happy you were here with us, Candace. Oh, yay. Yay. We got to you. Her. Her. Oh, I know. It was such a and pleasure. And we got Christopher on summer so vacation. Honored. This is just yay. awesome. So honored. Thank you. Yay.
3: What a blessing. So until next time. Until next time, as I always say, be as authentically yourself as you can possibly stand. Yes. And as Wendy always says. Stay open for love and and nurturing, and happiness,
4: and for the dream journal,
0: Dr. Wendy's dream journal.
4: Just write all your dreams, hopes, wishes about what you want to happen in life, because it is possible to make that happen.
5: And mine is, I'm not making sense, I'm making faith. (laughs) It's not for me, unfortunately, but... Oh, well, all right. Mentor. You can
3: swoop there. it. You. Christopher, do you have any sayings?
4: Astrological <laughs> panda? Any any words of wisdom?
0: No, I don't. I am Dr. Wendy O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
4: you're a white woman? What? <laughs> life is painful and it's okay to talk about it yeah
2: you know what they say some things in life are bad they can really make you mad other things just make you swear and curse when you're chewing on life's gristle don't grumble give a whistle and this'll help things turn out for the best and always look on
4: the bright
0: side of life. Come on. Always look on the right
4: side. Do you have An answer for you? Yes, but you're not going to like it.
0: It doesn't matter. We
1: must know it.
2: All right. The answer to the ultimate question of life. The universe and everything is Forty-two. The actual question was.
1: But it was the question. The ultimate question of everything. That's not
5: a question. Only when you know the question will you know what the answer means.